0: The First Church, so glad you guys are here, whether you're online or here in person. It's good to see you. And I just have to say, I just feel so grateful to be back with you guys. And I just wanna take a quick moment. This is normally, thank you. This is normally the time where I would welcome in our online family, have you guys clap for them. I'm gonna hold off on that just for a second because before I do anything else, I just wanna say on behalf of Allison and me, Thank you so much for the prayers, for the thoughts, for the, for the love that you have showed us over the past few weeks. For those guys who don't know what I'm talking about, on the Monday of Thanksgiving, if you're new here, on the Monday of Thanksgiving, I watched my wife in the ER stop breathing. And after an emergency cric and then later a trach and 11 days in the hospital, many of those in ICU, my wife is now home and doing so much better, and we are so grateful that she is. And, and I thank you for your prayers, because we could feel those prayers. We knew you guys were thinking about us, and all the love and support and encouragement that you showed us it means the world to us, and we don't deserve you guys, we really don't. We don't deserve this church family, but thank you. But I... First and foremost want to make sure that I give God the glory because Allison would not be here today if it wasn't for him he has protected us he has watched over us he has been by our side through this entire ordeal and we experienced some scary days but we never felt alone through the entire through the entire journey and I I am nothing but grateful today for him And there's a Psalm that I've been going back to over and over again since all this has happened and it's found in Psalm 25, just a couple lines here. It says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God, for you are good, O Lord. And over the past few weeks, I have cried out to God like I never have before in my life. But I have also discovered how good God is in a way like I never knew before. And I just want to tell you, if you don't know our God, you need to. Because I don't know how people live without him, honestly. But he has been with us through this entire ordeal. And I just today want to publicly give him thanks and give him praise. Because he truly is awesome. And so, yeah. And so I know you guys have been praying for Allison and our family, and so I just want to pray right now in this moment before we move on with the rest of the sermon. So if you would bow with me in prayer. Father, I just want to take this moment to praise you, to thank you for being with Allison, for being with my family, and Father, for giving us this church family that has wrapped their loving arms around us. Father, we don't deserve anything I don't deserve Allison. I don't don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve to be here and be part of this church. I definitely don't deserve your love and your grace and your forgiveness. But Father, you are so, so good to us. And I have nothing but praise to offer you. And I will praise you all day long. So Father, thank you. Thank you for being our Emmanuel, which means God with us, you are with us. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Uh, I told you all I would need a transition. And so um, at this moment, uh, we have a bunch of people worshiping online. If you are here in person, would you put your hands together and welcome in our online audience. Help me out here just a little bit, thank you. And I am excited, believe it or not, to jump into week two of our series, Make Him Room, our Christmas series. Matt did a great job last week getting us started. Uh, I was supposed to preach that sermon and he filled in for me and I just wanna thank him as well because he did an incredible job. He told me not to mention him after the earlier service, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I do appreciate Matt. He is just great. But I am excited to jump into week two and we're gonna discuss a theme today that I've, I've had to live out firsthand over the past couple of weeks. It's a truth that I've known for some time, but I haven't really lived it out like I've had to over the past few weeks, and it's this. True peace is not found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of Jesus. Let me say that again, because I feel that somebody probably needs to hear that today. True peace is not found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of Jesus, because I've been in some really relaxing places before, but had no peace. But I also recently have been in an ICU room with my wife on a ventilator, and I've had peace that I couldn't explain. Because peace, true peace, lasting peace, eternal peace is not the absence of problems, the absence of stress, the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of Jesus in the midst of those things because God never promised that our lives on this side of heaven would be free of problems. In fact, Jesus says the exact opposite of that. Jesus says, I have told you all this, I've taught you all these things so that you may have peace in me. I've taught you this stuff so you can have my peace, but then look at what he says in the very next sentence. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will have peace, but that doesn't mean you won't have trials and sorrows. But take heart, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. See, Jesus doesn't promise to remove our problems, but he does promise to meet us in the midst of our problems. He doesn't promise a peace that can be manufactured or bought or achieved. It's a peace that is outside of this world. And because he has come, and he is with us, our Emmanuel, then peace has come through him. And today, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're going through, you could have peace that lasts for all eternity if you're willing to make room for him. See, that's one of the primary messages of the Christmas story. Do you remember what the angel said to the shepherds when they were announcing the birth of Jesus. Do you remember what they said? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people who enjoy God's favor, who live in his grace. Peace on earth. But I want you to notice something. God gives us peace on the earth because his son has come to the earth, but it's not peace from the earth because the earth can't offer us what Jesus is offering us. If you try to find peace from the earth, If you try to find peace from your job, then your job can take your peace away. If you try to find peace in other people, then people can take your peace away. If you try to find peace in a circumstance or an opportunity, those things can take your peace away. But Jesus offers us peace that is outside of this world that the world can't give us and therefore the world can't take it away. It's a peace that passes all understanding and it's only found in him. See, Christmas speaks into our darkness, into our stress, into our chaos, you name it. And, and it declares that because of Jesus, peace has come And I think God wants us today to know that peace can be found in his son. Because a lot of us right now, if we're being transparent and honest, we're not living with that kind of peace. I mean, the past couple years have been pretty chaotic and crazy, haven't they? Since COVID happened, I mean, the world's been turned upside down, right? And for some of you, 2022 has not been a great year. And even if 2022 has been all right for you, I bet you you're pretty stressed out right now. Most people are. This is a crazy season. If you don't believe me, just go to Walmart right now, you know? Things are nuts right now. I get it. I mean, happy birthday, Jesus. We created consumerism and chaos in your name. We're so glad you were born, you know? And how many times do you hear people say, "Man, I dread this time of year." Because of all the stress and all the extra stuff. And that was never Meant to be the message of Christmas. No, the message of Christmas is that because Jesus has come, peace has come. And that wasn't just said by the angels to the shepherds on that first night when Jesus was born. It was a theme from the very beginning of the Christmas story. And it's a theme that two people, a couple who were married, discovered early on. They were the first people to hear that it was time for the Messiah to arrive. And we don't talk a whole lot about them for some reason this time of year. They don't get a whole lot of airtime, but their story is extremely important. And their names, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They both came from a priestly line, a priestly family. Zachariah served as a priest a couple times a year when his family group was called to go and serve. Elizabeth, well, she's a cousin to Mary, the future mother of Jesus. And so they were godly people. But if I had to describe their lives in one word, it would be this word it would be the word waiting. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth had spent their entire lives waiting. See, they were faithful Jews, so that meant they were waiting for the Messiah to come. For centuries, God's people had been waiting for the Messiah. And yet, it didn't look like that it was going to happen anytime soon. Not only that, Zachariah and Elizabeth were living in a period of time when the Jews were being oppressed by the Roman Empire. They were a conquered people, and so they wanted political deliverance. They were waiting for God to do something about their suffering. But on a personal level, Zachariah and Elizabeth were also waiting. They wanted desperately to have a child, and they couldn't. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed for a child for years. And they just kept waiting. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm not good at waiting. Patience is something I struggle with. It's just confession time right now, okay? And I know I'm not alone. The other day when Allison and I were in the hospital, we turned on the news one morning and they showed this clip of this little boy. It was Thanksgiving week and they were showing this little boy who wanted some bread that was across the kitchen table and he was screaming out to his parents and his parents weren't paying attention to him. So he took matters into his own hands. Take a look at what happened here. Here he is. He makes a way, you know? He gets the bread to come to him. And I love that, and look how happy he gets, you know, when he finally gets that bread. He achieved what he wanted to achieve. We don't like to wait. We want what we want, and we want it now. And I know it's not just that toddler and me who struggle with patience. I know you do too, and so we're gonna do a quick little test here, a little poll. And I wanna see if you guys struggle with waiting as well. And so I'm gonna put a statement up on the screen. And when I do, just raise your hand if this has ever described you. If you are worshiping online right now, Go ahead and give us a thumbs up or put it in the chat if you have struggled with this as well. So let me just see if we're all on the same page today, okay? Here's the first statement. If this is you, raise your hand. I've cut through a parking lot to avoid stopping at a red light. Anybody ever done that before? Wow, that guy has two hands up in the back. Yeah, okay. Man, it's a lot of hands. Okay, you guys are with me. Uh, We are on the same page. Cool, okay. How about this next statement right here? I've switched lines in a store because the one I'm in is moving too slow. Anybody ever done that before? Yeah. You ever been like, especially this time of year at the checkout line and you're like judging, oh, that one's faster, so you move there, but then that one ends up being slower, so you move over to another one. Ever been there? I have. I've done it more times than I want to admit. Okay. How about this one? People <laughs> who talk too slow <laughs> irritate me, okay, how many of you guys were annoyed by me just saying it that slow, okay, right, yeah. I'm a fast talker, and so when somebody's a slow talker, I'm like, spit it out, man, come on, let's go. Yeah, I think we all get that. How about this one right here? I've become frustrated waiting on the microwave to finish heating my food. Anybody been there? I was talking with Tim Tibbles, our creative arts minister this week, and he was just like, Chad, have you ever waited for it to get to one second left and then you open it before it dings because you can't wait one more second? And I'm like, yeah, I do that all the time. Anybody done that? Like it's to two seconds, one second, you got to open it before it's done? Yeah. We all struggle with waiting. One more. How about this one right here? I feel compelled to leave church early to beat the traffic in the parking lot. Don't raise your hand. We know who you are are, okay? We've already noticed, and we have security cameras. We know who you are, okay? We struggle to wait, don't we? And yet sometimes, that's exactly what God asks us to do, because he knows what's best for us. He knows what we need when we're just focused on what we want. And here's the thing about faith. Faith isn't getting everything we want just when we want it. Because if we got everything we wanted when we wanted it, then we wouldn't need faith. See, faith isn't getting everything we want when we want it. Faith is trusting that God knows what is best for us. And contrary to popular belief, God is not Santa Claus. So don't treat him like Santa Claus. No, he's a loving father who knows more than we know, who created us and designed us and loves us and knows what is best for us. See God, God always works in our lives at just the right time in just the right way. Listen to what he says in the book of Isaiah. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God knows more than we know. So we have to trust him. But I get it because oftentimes there's lag time between what God is up to and our realization of what God is up to. And that's where Zachariah and Elizabeth are. They've been waiting for a long time. And here's what Luke chapter one tells us about them. First of all, it tells us they were godly people because it says both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Now even though they kept waiting, and even though they didn't have their questions answered And even though they kept asking for something very specific and all they seemed to be receiving was silence, they were still faithful to God. They still showed up to worship. They still did what God was asking them to do. Zacharias still did his role as a priest and did it faithfully. They continued to show up for God. And they continued to do what he asked of them, even though they had a whole lot of unanswered questions. But it's not just that they were godly, they also were old. They were a pretty old couple. In fact, the Bible says this, they were both very old. How would you like for the scripture to describe you like that? They were both very old. Not just old, very old. I love how the old King James Version translates this. It says this, they were well stricken in years. That's great, isn't it? Next time somebody calls you old, don't say, I'm old. I'm just well stricken in years, you know? That's awesome. They were old. And what that meant was... They had been waiting for God to do something in their lives for a long, long time. And one thing they had been waiting for is this. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. So not only were they a godly couple, and not only were they an old couple, they were a sad couple because they desperately wanted to have a child and yet they couldn't. And they prayed and they prayed for this child to the point that they had probably given up hope because they were beyond the age of childbearing. They weren't able to conceive anymore. You see, I've had conversations with some of you guys in our church who've struggled with infertility and I've listened to your voice and I've heard the pain as you've told me those stories I know infertility can bring great sadness and grief And that's what Zachariah and Elizabeth had to struggle with their entire lives I mean think about it. in their day and age they had nobody to leave their inheritance to they had no one to take care of them when they were old but not only that in this culture, and their culture, it was considered a curse by God if you couldn't have a child. Now the Bible doesn't teach that, but that was the common belief that if you struggle with infertility, God was cursing you. And so when people would see Zachariah and Elizabeth walking down the street, they'd give them those looks like, I wonder what they did And they got those stares and those looks their entire married life. Zachariah and Elizabeth were sad. And this just reminds me of a truth that we see all throughout scripture. Sad things happen to godly people. Just because you do what's right, just because you serve God, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that sad things aren't going to happen to you. Sad things happen to godly people. Elizabeth and Zechariah had done nothing wrong. They had been faithful to God. The scripture praises their faithfulness. And yet they were sad. Because we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world that's been corrupted by sin, sad things happen to godly people. But here's what I've learned in my experience. In the midst of our most sad times, is when God can show his power in the most profound ways. And that's what ends up happening for Zachariah and Elizabeth. Because the scripture tells us in verse seven that both of them were too old to have children and everybody knew it. Everybody in their village, everybody who knew them knew it. They were too old to have children. They had moved beyond that stage. Everybody else would have said that it was impossible now for them to have a child. And maybe they even thought that. But this passage reminds us that God isn't limited by our boxes. That God is bigger than what we even think is possible and in this moment of sadness, God reveals himself to them in a way like they never thought possible. See, I don't believe in unanswered prayers. I don't. Because no is an answer. And when God tells us no, it's not that he's trying to be mean to us or harsh with us. It's because he's a loving father, a loving parent who knows what's best for his children. When I tell my kids they, they cannot have three bowls of ice cream before they go to bed, it's not because I'm being mean. It's because I know that's not going to end well. It's not what is best for them. And when God tells us no, it's the answer that we need. And I don't mean to contradict that famous theologian Garth Brooks, but I don't believe in unanswered prayers. Even when God just gives us silence, it's still the answer that we need in that moment. Because sometimes we get a definite yes from God. Sometimes we get a definite no. But sometimes we just get silence. And when we get silence, God isn't trying to put us off or keep us on edge. He's telling us, just wait. Because I've got something in store for you. I've got something for you around the corner. I've got something that I want you to experience. Just wait. Trust me. Because I know what's best. Even God's silence is the answer that we need when we get it. Don't ever mistake the silence of God for the absence of God. It just means that God is working for our good in a way that we can't see right now. And it's in the silence that God reveals the better plan he had for Zechariah. See, Zechariah is serving in the temple. He would do this for a week at a time, a couple times a year. And this is one of those occasions when he's serving in the temple. And this is what the scripture says in Luke chapter 1. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense See, this was a big deal because in this day and age, you would serve in in the temple, but you didn't necessarily get close to the Holy of Holies, but they would choose one person throughout that week who could light the incense near the altar of God, who got to go into the sanctuary and stand right next to the Holy of Holies by themselves. And this was a privilege that some priests never got to experience. You would go an entire life and never get chosen to do this. They would have a lottery during your week to pick who would get to do it. And Zachariah has waited his entire life life and as an old man he gets chosen to be the one to light the incense before the Lord's altar and I bet Zachariah is pumped and he's excited that he was chosen and so he goes into this room by himself ready to do this great honor for God and he expects for no one else to be in there but he and God and he's quickly surprised because this is what happens it says then an angel of the Lord appeared to him Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, saw the angel, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. For years you've been praying, Zechariah, and you've wondered if God's been listening. I'm here to let you know he's been listening. And the reason why he hasn't answered your prayer the way that you thought that he should have up until this point is because God had something so much bigger in store for you than you could even imagine. And what the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah is that you and Elizabeth are not just going to have a child in your old age, you're going to have a child who will become the forerunner of the Messiah. You are to name him John. We know him as John the Baptist. And John will serve in the spirit of the prophet Elijah and prepare the way of the Lord. You're not just going to have a son, Zechariah. You're going to have the forerunner to the Messiah. And this child that Zechariah and Elizabeth will have will have one of the most important roles in history because God had something better in store for them and we would think that in this moment that Zechariah would be jumping up and down for joy but look at how he responds Zechariah asked the angel how can I be sure of this in other words can you give me a sign or something i mean how can i be sure of this I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. I love how he says, I'm old, but he doesn't call his wife old. He says, I'm old, but she's well along in years. You know, he's a lot more polite when it comes to her. He doesn't even say she's stricken with age or anything, you know. I'm old and she's far along too. Anyway, how can this be? How can this happen? We're beyond that age, oh, Angel Gabriel. We would think that he'd be jumping up and down for joy, but instead, he wants to know how. Now, most of you probably know Jake Fallis, our care minister here at First Church. Jake's a great guy most of the time. No, Jake's a great guy, and something that he and I have in common is that we're both Cincinnati Bengals fans. He's a lot more hardcore than I am, but I grew up like an hour away from Cincinnati, so I've always cheered for the Bengals. And the other day, in fact, Sunday, last Sunday, the Bengals were playing Sunday afternoon, and he had to be here because his daughter was in a piano recital, and the recital was being held here at the church building. And I to be here too because my son was also in that same piano recital. So I walked in and I saw Jake in the back of the room where all the sound equipment was and he was on a computer and he was watching the game before the recital started. I thought, okay, he wants to know the score, but once the recital starts, you know, he's going to pay attention to his daughter's performance. Well, one of our other staff members who was in the room took a picture of Jake. And if you want to put this up on the big screen, this is while his daughter's performance is going Going on, he is filming it on his phone, but his eyes are looking at the computer screen because he's watching the game. That's what's happening. That's James Summers who caught Jake doing that. So he's filming his daughter, but he's focused on the game. And even after the uh, after the recital was done, he didn't want to leave because he didn't want to go home and miss anything because it was a close game. And if you guys know the end result, they beat a certain team. Not going to mention who Kansas City. But anyway, they beat this one team and. Jake stayed here at church by himself to watch the game. And afterwards, he had a time of celebration and our security cameras caught it. Take a look at what happened in our gathering space. Here he comes here in just a second. You're gonna see him. I wish we had sound on this. I would love to know what was happening. Uh, I think he knew exactly where the cameras were. He wanted us to see this. And so he goes back acts like a fool, but he told me that the only people that were left uh, in the building at that time were the cleaning people, and he was afraid he was gonna scare them to death, but he celebrated. Now, we would think that that's how Zechariah would act. We're gonna have a son? He's gonna be the forerunner to the Messiah? We would think Zachariah would be jumping up and down for joy, but instead, he says, how? And because he questions this, this angel, Gabriel says, okay, You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Until the baby is born, you're not going to be able to talk. And Zechariah is unable to talk for the next nine months or so, however long it took. He's unable to talk until John is born. And it's interesting to me that Zechariah had waited for years for God to answer his prayer. And then in the moment when God is letting him know, I am going to answer your prayer in a way like you never thought possible. Zechariah questions it. See, just because we trust God doesn't mean our faith tank at times doesn't run low. And if that's where you are right now, like you've been faithful to God and you've been showing up to church and you're reading your Bible and you're praying and you're praying earnestly, but your faith tank is a little low right now. You're not alone. Even great godly men like Zechariah struggle with that. We all do at times, but here's the good news God is faithful even when our faith tank is low. Because you know what happens? John is still born. Zachariah and Elizabeth still get pregnant and they still have a son just as God promised. God is faithful even when our faith tank is a little low. God treats us better than we deserve to be treated. God is good even when we're not good to him. God is with us even when we walk away from Him. God looks after us even when we're not paying attention to Him. And it reminds me of what Psalm 103 says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. And aren't you grateful that He doesn't? I am. Because guys, I don't deserve anything I have in this life. I don't deserve the forgiveness of sins that I have in Jesus. I don't deserve to be part of God's family. I don't deserve to spend eternity in heaven with him. I don't, I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve my house or the car that I drive. I don't deserve to stand on this stage and preach before you week in and week out. I don't deserve the very breath in my lungs. I deserve none of that. And yet God continues to be so good to me. And I know you can say the same. Because even when we don't get what we want when we want it and we're impatient, we have way more than we deserve to have. Our God is so good to us. And if we want to be like him, then This Christmas especially, let's treat others better than they deserve to be treated. Whether it's driving down the road or shopping in Walmart or whatever, dealing with a waiter or waitress who isn't that good at a restaurant, you know, whatever. Treat people better than they deserve to be treated because that's how God treats us. And serve people. And we have a great opportunity to do that here at First Church. This time of year, people are more apt to come to church and be open to hearing the good news of Jesus Christ at any other time of the year. And we're gonna have four major Christmas Eve services, one on December 23rd and two on December 24th, I mean three on December 24th. And I know many of you are planning on being at them and that's great, that's awesome. We want you to come and worship with your family, but can I ask you to do something? And this isn't the first time you've heard that challenge, this challenge. Don't just come to one service with your family, stay for another and serve others who don't know about the peace that you have in Jesus but who need it. And you might say, but it's Christmas and it's busy. God has done so much for us. That's the least we could do. We've been saying, attend one, serve one. Attend one with your family and serve another Maybe serve more than one if you can. And right now, if you want to scan this QR code, we're going to put it up on the big screen. If you want to scan it, you can sign up right now because I contacted some of our team leaders last week and I asked them, okay, what what volunteers do we need still for Christmas Eve? And I was thinking like maybe just this one area, we need volunteers in every area, whether it's childcare, because we're providing childcare for those who have kids zero to three for the first time ever to help those new families coming to our church. We need people to drive go-karts for parking. We need ushers, we need greeters. We need all sorts of help still for those services. And if you can do that, Sign up, and I would love if, if today, maybe during the service, maybe you go home today and you think, think about it, pray about it, talk about it with your family, if you sign up for a service, I would love it if tomorrow morning, if we met together as a staff and we're looking over the volunteers that we need and we said, it's taken care of because our church stepped up to the plate. And you might call it a sacrifice. It's nothing compared to what God has done for us. So I challenge you today to serve in that way because you might be able to make a difference in somebody's life that you never thought possible because here's the thing, God still wants to surprise us with his power. You see, sad things happen to godly people, but God also surprises godly people with his power. When we are faithful, when we trust him, when we continue to listen to him and follow him, he will continue to surprise us with his power. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants to do something great this Christmas here at First Church. And Satan will try everything he possibly can to stop it. But we're not going to let him because we know greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. And we are going to open ourselves up for God to use because when we are faithful to him, he surprises us with his power. See, Christmas is our answer when we get the question or when we ask the question if our faithfulness really matters because Christmas reminds us that God notices the faithful and we are never forgotten. One of those faithful men, Zachariah, after his son John was born and he was able to talk again, Zachariah praised God. He lifted up a prayer of praise to God. And in that prayer, I want you to notice what he says. At the end of it, he's talking about Jesus, the coming Messiah. And he says, because of the tender mercy of our God, the rising sun, speaking of Jesus, will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Could you go back to that screen before? I want to point out something. Notice what it says. The rising sun, Jesus will come to us from heaven not to remove us from the darkness that we're in, but to shine on us who are living in darkness now because God doesn't always remove our problems, but he always meets us in the midst of them. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus saw this world messed up, and he could have stayed at a distance, but he didn't. He entered our realm because he didn't want us living in a mess anymore, and he came as a light that could shine on our lives in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the darkness, and he is still shining today. And notice what the text goes on to say, so that he could guide our feet into the path of peace. So that in the midst of all the chaos, we could have peace that passes understanding. On Christmas Day, we're gonna have one service here, and we've had people tell us, Nobody will show up for that, not on Christmas Day. You might as well not have it. You're just wasting your time. Let's let God surprise everybody on Christmas Day. Is there anything more important than celebrating the Prince of Peace than on the day that we recognize his birth? Let's show the world that we have something that is greater than what it can offer us. See, God doesn't always give us the how, how he's going to accomplish things, how he's going to answer our prayers, how he's going to work things out for our good. He doesn't always give us the how, like Zechariah wanted at first. But he does give us him. And he is always enough. And when you have him, you have peace. It's a peace that says that even if I die. I will be with Jesus. And if I don't die, then Jesus will be with me. And so because of that hope, because of his presence in our lives, we can carry on. At the beginning of World War II, before the United States entered the war, England was being threatened. And so their government decided to put together a campaign to... Encourage their people to have resolved, resolve in the midst of the attacks that they knew they were going to receive. So they put up posters all over their nation talking about having courage and standing firm. But there was one poster that they had made, but they never actually put out because it was meant to be saved as a last resort that if things got so bad and they were being invaded and taking over and the people were on the verge of giving up all hope, this poster was to go up everywhere. And that didn't happen, and so they never had to use it. A couple people got a hold of those posters, and so they've been in, you know, like bookstores and museums and stuff like that. But here recently, they found a warehouse with boxes full of these posters. And you've probably seen it before. It's become pretty famous. It just says this. Keep calm and carry on. And guys, because of Jesus, we can keep calm. We can have peace beyond this world and carry on and do what he is calling us to do. Maybe we should change it to say this, trust Christ and carry on. Because as long as your trust is in him, we can do exactly what he's asking us to do. And we can carry on in the midst of the darkness that surrounds us because we know he is faithful. So yes, sad things happen to godly people. But God also surprises godly people in the midst of their sadness. And Christmas reminds us that our God is always faithful. So we can carry on. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you so much for this moment that we've had to open up your word. And I pray that as a church, we do carry on because we have your light and we are to shine that light into the darkness. Father, you never promised on this side of heaven to take away our problems, but you have promised to meet us in the midst of our problems. And I pray that you meet us today in a way where we are encouraged, but also so that we can carry on. We love you so much. Thank you for giving us what we don't deserve your grace, your mercy, your love, and most importantly, the life that we have in Jesus. And it's through his name, our Emmanuel, that I pray, amen.